Hello, and welcome to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins, the podcast where we anticipate an experience with the Lord on each and every episode. Thank you so much for listening today, and my prayer is that you will be strengthened, encouraged, and challenged in your daily walk with the Lord as you listen. The primary purpose for this podcast is to be a source of inspirational truth that will awaken a deeper hunger within you for the fire of God to burn brighter and hotter in your life. Leviticus 6.12 says, The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. This Old Testament verse spoke into the sacrificial burnt offering system of the temple, and it also reflects the fact that we as the bride of Christ are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we have a responsibility to steward our walk with God and maintain His flame that He has ignited in our hearts. I am your host, Keith Collins, and I invite you to join me now as we explore biblical truths that will help us to maintain the flame of God upon the altar of our hearts. Hello, and welcome back to Maintain the Flame this week. I'm Keith Collins, and I am blessed to be with you again. I pray that what you're about to hear is going to bless you, that it's going to encourage you, and that it's going to challenge you in your walk with God. You know, we we named this program Maintain the Flame. And the reason for that is because in the book of Leviticus, the Word of God instructed the priests we see in the narrative there to make sure that the fire of God always burned on the altar in the sacrificial system of the Old Testament. And I believe it's a picture, it's a sign it's a reflection of the way that our heart should be before the Lord. Our heart should be, as it were, an altar of burning fire unto the Lord. We know that in the Old Testament sacrificial system that the Lord instructed the priests through Moses to offer up burnt offerings unto the Lord. There were very specific ways that these offerings, these sacrifices were to be made. And, you know, a lot of a lot of important um, history there, a lot of important um, pictures there, even portraying or reflecting what was to come through the ultimate unblemished sacrifice of the Lamb of God, the Son of God, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So when we look at this this picture in the Old Testament and we can see how it correlates with our own personal lives, um, you see why I, I call this show Maintain the Flame, because there should always be a burning passion for the Lord. It doesn't mean we don't go through trials. It doesn't mean we don't have bad days or maybe even bad weeks or sometimes even bad months. But in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our challenges, in the midst of you know seasons in our life where sometimes it seems like the clouds are darker than other seasons, in that place we can maintain a love for the Lord a passion for His presence, a love for the truth of the Word of God, a love for the people of God, and we can burn for Jesus even in the midst of our greatest battles that we face as we live on this earth. Um, So let me again encourage you, my friend, if you love the Lord, if you've been born again of the Spirit of God, if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, 
then you do have a role to play. I know that salvation is by the grace of God alone. The Apostle Paul told us in Ephesians, it's not of works lest any of us should boast or brag about how we got saved because there's really nothing that we can hinge salvation upon except the grace of God. At the same time, we respond to that grace. Maybe it's to the preaching of the Word. Maybe you were reading the Bible. Maybe you were listening to this radio station or to this podcast, whatever you're listening to this week. And, um, you know, and in the midst of that, you heard something or something spoke to your heart and you became aware that you were lost without Jesus and the Word of God penetrated your heart and the Holy Spirit brought conviction that led to repentance and you gave your heart to the Lord. What a, what a beautiful picture. But after that, then there's something that we're called to do. We are called to a devotion life. We are called to seek the Lord. He said, if you seek me, you will find me. So we see the Word of God calling us into a relationship with Jesus Christ, which is paramount to our salvation. So that's why we're called Maintain the Flame. That's why this program is really all about a deeper place in Jesus uh, a deeper place in serving Him, loving Him, worshiping Him, being in His presence, being vessels of His glory. Um, the Bible talks about being vessels in the house of God that are meet or that are equipped for the use of His purposes, and that's who we are. So, so thank you again so much for joining us this week. And you know, this week, I want to continue um, with a theme that I've been on really for the last two weeks, I felt like I wasn't finished with this, that I needed to come back and do a part three. The last two um, episodes or programs I've talked about what it really means to fulfill the role of the church, who we are as the people of God. What is our purpose on the earth? Why are we here? Are we saved just so that we can have a ticket into heaven and freedom out of hell or an escape route out of hell, so to speak? Or is there something else that we're called to do? And I would say, if you've listened to the last two weeks, you'll know that, that I believe with all of my heart, and I believe according to the Word of God, that we are called to be salt, we're called to be light, um, we're called to be a city set up on a hillside, um, we're not called to hide our lights under a bushel as we read in the Word of God, but, but we're called to be the light of the world. Jesus said, you are the light of the world, and we know that He's the ultimate light. But because we're born again, filled with His Spirit, because Christ lives in us, we become light. We become salt. We become the expression of the purposes of God in our generation. I, I love what Keith Green said, the, um, the late musician, amazing prophetic voice that died back in the 1980s at a young age, I believe 28 years old. But, but Keith said something like this, and I'll paraphrase. He said, every generation is response, every generation of Christians or believers um, is responsible for the generation on the earth that they live in. And, um, and I believe that we are responsible to, to do the work of an evangelist, as Paul said. We are responsible to be people of, of effectual, fervent prayer, as James says. We are responsible to, to love um, without reservation, to love people, even in their darkest, um, you know, most horrific seasons in their lives. We are called to be a people of love, a people of mercy, a people of grace, a people of forgiveness, and also a people of truth, a people that are not willing to compromise the truth of the gospel in order to find the world more, um, you know, 
agreeing with us. In other words, we don't become like the world is what I'm saying so that the world will like us. We're different than the world. We're not supposed to be weirdos or anything. However, because of the hope that's within us, because of the fact that we are born again of the Spirit of God, because we are pilgrims passing through this increment of time called life on earth. James the Apostle said it's really just a mist. It's a vapor. It's here for a while, and then poof, it's just gone. Um, And whether that's 100 years, whether that's 50 years, whether that's 80 years or 20 years, um, you know, those years are minute compared to eternity. Therefore, we've got one shot at this, one one opportunity to give Jesus glory, one opportunity to reach the lost, one opportunity to be a people of prayer, one opportunity to, to minister the love of Christ, the power of the gospel, to do the works of Jesus, to lay hands on the sick, to cast out devils, all the things that God has called us to do as his people. We've got one opportunity, therefore we are to be active, assertive, um, we are not a static people, but we are an active people. So it's important that we realize what it means to fulfill the role of God on the earth as the church. We are foundational. We are primary. We are paramount. We are not just plan B. The Lord has saved us, delivered us, given us his spirit in order that we might be his representatives, his ambassadors in the earth. We literally become the hands and the feet of Jesus. Our our mouths become the words of God, so to speak, and not that we are the word of God. However, we speak truth. We speak life. We, we, again, we refuse to compromise the fact that Jesus is the only way to salvation. Acts 4.12 says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other way under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. My friend, Jesus is the only way. You know what that means? We have the only hope. We have the only remedy for the sinful condition of the human race. We have the only lifeline. We have the only prescription for for holistic spiritual healing um, for eternal life. There's not an alternative plan. You know, my, my biological father, who passed away many years ago at the age of 51, lived, you know, a pretty challenging life and dealt with addictions and a lot of different things and... Um, thankfully, at the age of about 50, he really gave his heart to the Lord, I believe, and thank the Lord he's in heaven, I believe, today. But my father told me when I was a teenager, back before he'd really, I believe, come to a salvation experience, he told me that, he said, you know, son, he said, religion is kind of like a train. You know, there are multiple carts. There's a Hindu cart. There's a Buddhist cart. There's a Muslim cart, there's a Catholic cart, there's a Protestant cart, so forth and so on. And he said, and they're all part of the same train going to the same place, and eventually they all get to heaven. Now, that is false. That is universalism. Unfortunately, that's popular in our culture and in our society that we live in. But the fact of the matter is, the thing that makes us different is there are no other cards. There's only one way to heaven there's if you want to use the train analogy there there's one train cart that's true and that's Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life and no man comes to the father except by me now I want you to understand the reason we're doing this program the reason that we are broadcasting throughout the nations through this program is not because we need something to do in our ministry but the reason is because friend this is the only message that saves humanity. The reason that missionaries throughout history have left 
home and and um, comfort and success and all the things that they've left, whether it be from America, from from England, different parts of the world. And these people, even back many years ago, before we had air travel, I mean, they would literally sacrifice their lives, so to speak, risk their lives, even their families, to go preach the gospel to people who had not heard Jesus. The reason they did that is because they had the only message, and that gripped them, that that consumed them, and they realized that the only thing worth living for is what glorifies Jesus Christ. The only thing worth doing is what brings glory to his name. Therefore, they gave their lives to rescue the perishing, to care for the dying, to bring truth and light in the midst of utter darkness. And, and I would declare to you that is still our role. Now, listen, I have been blessed to be in multiple nations. I've, I've been in dozens of nations over the last several years, 25 or so years. And I've preached all over the world. I've, I've preached to Hindus. I've preached to Muslims. I've preached to Protestants and Catholics. I have I preached to, um, you know, those that are into animism. I mean, you name it, friend. I have I have preached all over the world, and it's been an honor. It's been a blessing. I've been just so humbled as the Lord has just opened up so many opportunities and so many doors to us. But but I want you to hear me. The reason I have gone is not because it was easy or comfortable. I know that the message that lives inside of me that the experience that I have had with Jesus needs to be proclaimed. And I would say to you, my friend, you have the only hope. You have the only message. You carry within you the, the very essence of eternal life. And I want to just strongly encourage you to be bold in your faith. Be bold in your witness. Be bold in your testimony. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I fear that, that many people in modern Christianity, especially modern Western Christianity, have become ashamed of the gospel. Now, let me, let me just say something here that might, um, might offend some people, but I want you to hear me. A lot of times we water down the gospel message so that people feel more comfortable in our presence. What do I mean by that? I mean... People can come into a setting where the gospel is being preached or the so-called gospel and they can live a lifestyle of rebellion and sin, never coming to repentance. And because of a lot of our modern teaching and preaching, many people feel comfortable in their sin as if they are born again of the Spirit of God. I believe this is horrific. I believe one of the greatest tragedies of the modern church movement, even the modern church growth movement, is that we have become palatable or we have become tasty or savory to the world. And the world likes our entertainment. They like our production. They like our pep talks. They like our motivational speakers that, that preach on Sunday mornings. However, they never come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. Now, now I understand that, that we are to be a people that encourage one another, that strengthen one another, that bless one another. Don't misunderstand me, but can I tell you something? People cannot have eternal blessings of the Lord upon their lives unless they are born again of the Spirit of God and have eternal life. Therefore, our mandate, our role, 
is to make a difference in the earth through bringing the message of salvation to a lost and a dying world. Now, I said a few minutes ago that, that I've been all over the world, and, and I've been a missionary evangelist. I've, I've helped with um, planning ministry training schools or Bible college-type settings in, in different parts of the world, Asia, Africa, Europe, and, and, and I've been blessed to do that. But can I tell you something? As I look at my own nation, the United States of America, I kind of feel like I'm a missionary to America now. America has lost her way. We have embraced ideologies, philosophies. We've embraced mindsets that are unbiblical, that are ungodly, not just post-revival, but even post-Christian, post-Bible. In other words, many people in America have lost their way, including our leaders, not just our political leaders, but even our religious leaders. They have lost their way. They have perverted the gospel. They are now promoting ungodliness and things that are in direct violation to the Word of God, but still invoking the blessing of God and the favor of God. Friend, these, these things cannot mix. There is a lot of collusion in America. So even though I still have a heart for the nations and still plan to go to the nations. When I'm in America, oftentimes I feel like I'm a missionary, even in churches in America, Protestant churches that um, historically have believed God for revival and all these types of things that have oftentimes now fallen asleep spiritually, and they've um, embraced a mindset of church growth or church building and church planting that is really based more on what demographics um, say and what people like or don't like then on prayer the power of God the message of the gospel and we have created a generation of believers that are not really believers they believe in religion they believe in a social environment you know uh, several weeks ago I, I talked about the dangers of safe church and we've become safe can I tell you something the gospel is not safe the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, the Bible says. It it divides. It it separates bone and marrow. I mean, it's, it's, it's precise. It is the edge of the gospel is very sharp. It's very powerful. It, it opens up the heart of humanity. And when it does not do that, then it's not the gospel. Now, listen, I understand that the Lord brings healing, restoration, um, favor, blessing, I, I believe in all of that stuff, but again, I want you to understand our role is to bring the gospel first and foremost. And if people are not being born again, and they're just becoming a part of the American Gospel Social Club, or it, there's other nations that that are in the same condition as ours, of course, where religion or Christianity has just become social, but there, there's no power. They have denied the power of the gospel, as the word said, and they've embraced a form of godliness like the apostle Paul said but but denied the power thereof and I believe that, that we are seeing that in our generation therefore the church has to be revived the, the only hope is for revival in the church now with saying all that I've just said and I know that can sound daunting and maybe challenging and maybe convicting and I hope it's convicting to those that that need to embrace it and hear it um the fact is there are people right now that are burning for Jesus. I know I, I travel a lot in the United States, and oftentimes I come in contact with people that are praying. Some are fasting. They're out on the streets. Man, they are they are reaching the lost with everything they've got, and they're at a place in their lives where they're saying, Jesus, my life for the gospel, normal Christianity. And, and I'm, I'm 
challenged with the condition of much of the church, but I have to tell you, I am also encouraged with some of the things that I am seeing right now. And, and I want to speak to those of you right now that are listening to this program. You're listening to this, this message that I'm sharing today, and, and your heart's beginning to burn, and, and maybe you're realizing there's a deeper place in Jesus. There's a, a greater call. There's, there's a purpose. There's a reason to pray. There's a reason to preach the gospel. Listen to me. You got to lose your life before you find it. And I want to encourage you, as the Word of God says, let go of your life. Friend, your life is not your own. The Apostle Paul said, you have been bought with a price. What is that price? The price is the blood of Jesus Christ that he shed to set you free from Satan, from sin, and even from yourself. And when you lose your life, then you really find life. Eternal life begins to surge through you. And as Paul told his spiritual son, Timothy, then you lay hold or you cling to eternal life. And what happens then? The things of God become much more beautiful, much more powerful, much more um, grandiose, if I can use that word. In other words, only the things of heaven, only the things of eternal value fascinate you. Does it, does it mean you don't enjoy life? Does it mean you don't enjoy your family? You can even have a good career and the Lord can bless you with a nice home and a nice vehicle. I'm not against any of those things. However, whenever those things become your motivation, when those things become the things that you treasure above the things of heaven, then you fall into religious activity that is void of power, that's void of burden, that's void of prayer, that's void of the demonstration of the gifts of the Spirit, all the things that the Lord has called us to walk in as His people. So friend, lay it down today. Lay your life down. You want to be used of God? Lose your life. Lose your agenda. Lose your your worldly passions. Lose those things that, that fascinate you that are only temporal. Set your eyes upon Jesus. Set your eyes upon the Lord. Set your affection, as Paul said, on things above, not on things of this earth. I said last week, this God that we're talking about is a consuming fire. What does that mean? Everything that comes in his path, he completely overtakes. He doesn't want half your life. He doesn't want 90% of your life. He doesn't want you to be his on Sunday morning and Wednesday or maybe five days a week, but then live for yourself. No, friend, he wants it all. He, he wants your life. And, and when you come to the place where that becomes who you are and that's the life that you live, I'm telling you, my friend, the joy of the Lord becomes your strength. You're strengthened by the favor of the Lord upon your life. What brings you joy? What brings you joy is knowing that the Lord is satisfied with your life, that he is getting glory from the life that you're living. We don't bring glory to the Lord when we live in rebellion, when we live in compromise. We don't bring glory to the Lord when we live our own agendas and we kind of use Jesus as an escape out of hell and an entrance into heaven. And that's it. And he becomes like Santa Claus. We come to him when we want something or when we need something. No, friend, that's not Jesus. Jesus calls us to pick up our cross and to follow him, to lay our lives down, to, to, to be willing to, to give it all up. He said, if you're not willing to sell everything and give to the poor, he said, if you don't hate your mother and father, then you're not even worthy to be called my disciple. What does he mean by that? He means that any earthly love 
that is greater than your love for him should be compared to hatred because the the radicality of the love that we have for Jesus should so supersede and should so overwhelm any earthly love that any earthly love could be called hatred. He doesn't actually call us to hate our own families. However, our love for him should be so much greater. Our commitment, our allegiance, our willingness to lay our lives down with for him should be so much greater than anything we would desire or anything we would love or anybody that we would love on the earth that it should it could be compared to hatred because of the radicality and the, I'll use the word, violence of our love that we have towards him, that nothing but knowing him more, nothing but pleasing him more, whatever satisfy us, whatever suffice us. Friend, this is who we're called to be. This is the call of God upon the church. How do we make a difference in culture? We don't make a difference just by coming together and having a committee that comes together and says, okay, we've got problems with the family. We've got problems in education. We've got problems in politics. We've got problems in church. And all those things are real. And we, we've got a lot of issues. And we could talk about the Generation Z, Generation X. I mean, we could talk about all these generations, and we can look at statistics, what, what the statisticians say, and all those things are very true. And we can talk about those things till we're blue in the face. We can raise money, and we can have um, coalitions of conservative values or biblical values and all this and all that. And I'm not saying there's no merit to that. Some of that's needed. I understand. I even talk about things like this at times. But can I tell you something? Unless we address it with the truth of the gospel— through a walk with Jesus Christ where we are alive and burning with righteousness in our hearts and willing to lay our lives down for the gospel and to live a life that glorifies Jesus, then, friend, we're just a bunch of bloviators. We're just a bunch of talkers, and there's there's no change. There's no hope. The way that cultures have changed throughout history, the way that cities and even nations have come to the Lord in the midst of great awakenings and revivals is because someone somewhere or some group somewhere enlisted themselves into a devotion life with Jesus and they laid their lives down. They laid their their schedules, their agendas, their goals, their human aspirations to the side and they plunged deep into the purposes of God and the Lord responded to their hearts, their hearts of submission, their hearts of brokenness, their hearts of humility, and I'll even say their hearts of desperation. They became desperate for the jealousy of the Lord. In other words, they became jealous in a good way for the glory of the Lord to be seen in their generation. For I am I, I'm jealous for the name of Jesus in America. I'm jealous for the name of Jesus in the nations. And I know this. I can do a program like this, and, and I feel this in my heart. I am, I am stirred in my spirit, if you can't tell. But here's the deal. I can walk away from this microphone where I'm recording this today in my office here in Charlotte, North Carolina, and this can just be another episode or another program. Or I can say, Jesus, here's my life. Send me, Lord. Isaiah said, here I am. Send me. Friend, are you willing to be sent today? What is the role of the church in this generation? We bring Jesus to a lost and a dying world. And as a result, everything changes. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. I thank you for every listener around the world. And I know that nations are listening today. Father, reach into Asia, reach into Europe, 
reach into Australia, Father, reach in to the Philippines, reach into all the nations of the world that are listening to this today, reach throughout the United States of America, awaken your church to these realities. May we be the people that you have called us to be. May we embrace your word. May we be filled with your spirit and do the works of Jesus in your gener- in this generation, the generation that you've called us to live on this earth in. May we realize this is a great opportunity to show your love, to show your mercy, but Lord, to preach your truth and to live your truth. I pray right now, make us firebrands. Use us to agitate culture. Use us, Lord God, to bring a divine restlessness into the generation that we live in. And more than anything else, Jesus, be glorified through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you again this week for listening to Maintain the Flame. We are, again, so blessed to be coming to you weekend and week out. If you want to know more about our ministry, you can visit us at keith-collins.org or you can go to impactgf.org. And both of those websites have our information. You can also correspond with us through those websites. And again, if you feel led to stand with us, even financially, you can give through those websites. It's a blessing to know that we have people praying and supporting us, and we are always praying, God, open more doors, open more doors for the gospel to be preached. It is our honor, it's our privilege to be bringing the truth of the Word of God to this generation. We love you. Thank you again for listening to Maintain the Flame. I pray that the glory of God would be upon your life as never before. We'll see you next week. You be blessed now in Jesus' name. Thank you again for listening today. Thank you so much for listening to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins today. I trust that you've been blessed and encouraged as you've listened. And if you hunger for a greater passion for the Lord that will not dim or subside, then let me encourage you to listen weekly to episodes that will encourage you in your walk with God. To learn more about our ministry, you can visit us at keith-collins.org or impactgf.org. May the fire of God burn brighter and hotter in your life. God bless you.